The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Adrian. If we haven't gotten to meet yet, I've been around the Mosaic community for about five, six years now, and I've given my life alongside of you guys in the, Mosa- in the broader Mosaic community to help Los Angeles heal through a thing called Serve LA, so we connect throughout the alleys and back roads and the streets of L.A., just trying to find uh, the heroes and come alongside of them and help the most amount of people we can. So we'd love for you guys to jump in with what we're doing all over the place. Uh, me and my buddy Raphael were just uh, yesterday down at the Habitat for Humanity site. Anybody else help build yesterday at the Habitat site? If you've not been, we've got um, dates coming up all the way through the end of the year. So come down, swing a hammer with us. You don't have to have any experience. And uh, it's a ton of fun. You go back dusty and tired, and, but you've had a great time. So it's, uh, and we're building, we're, we're building a house for one family. So um, join with me today in just a, a quick word of prayer, and we'll continue our journey on the quest for nobility. Good morning, God. All of us have, um, we made it here to this point. Thank you for waking us up early, and maybe some of us are just soccer fans and thought we should come early to be able to catch that beautiful game that's going to happen later. But God, we are, uh, we're grateful um, for the shade this morning, and grateful for the cool temperatures in the, the middle of the summer, and grateful for the people that we're sitting next to. Some of them are close friends, and some of them are just friends waiting to happen. And I thank you for this community. I thank you, God, that in uh, the resilience of it, we're outside in an alleyway, and in some ways we couldn't be happier because we're still together. And so we're grateful um, for this morning. We pray, God, that your voice would speak to us, to all of us. Pray that... Um, You'd help us really to meet you in these next few minutes. Because um, we know meeting you, God, is actually uh, the point of the whole thing. And so um, we stand grateful. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, a few months ago when I was with you guys, I shared the big story about how I got engaged. And uh, it involved a, a, a black op operation at, uh, at Griffith Observatory. If, I don't know if you guys remember that story that I told. It was goofy, but um, it worked. She said yes. Fast forward just four months. We just had a really short engagement. Uh, there were no shotguns involved, if you're questioning. Um, uh, we're just kind of get-her-done type people, so I figured we don't need to wait for like a year-long engagement, but let's just do it. So, um, but I had to move out of my apartment in October, and I was, we're going to get married October 18th. And so she moved into the new place, and I'm, like, moving around to my different couches at buddies' places. Pretty complicated time in life. Then everybody was coming in town. I lived, my, my family's back in Illinois, and her family's back in New York. And so we just decided to get married here with, our, with you know, in some ways, a lot of our new family here in Los Angeles. And then had the, anybody that wanted to come to come across. And so really chaotic time. It's the week before uh, I'm about to get married, and I'm living in Silver Lake for, the, for the, these few weeks. Um, and I'm staying at my buddy's house, which is amazing, overlooked great view and all that kind of stuff. And I had finally I'd gotten some, uh, some money together. Because, you know, when you're getting married, you get told about all these things you're supposed to do that you didn't know before and especially that you didn't budget for. So one of the things that you're supposed to do is, like, to get the bride a gift. Like getting married. It's not enough of a... Right? <laughs> Come on. But whatever. So I was told that you're supposed to get your bride a gift. So anyway, so I did this, and I, I pulled together as much money as I could. And I was going to buy some diamond earrings. She's, she's, she came from such a beautiful, simple background, never asks for anything. I grew up, uh, um, you know, just trying to make it. Her mom was a single mom. Um, 
they grew up in municipal housing, food stamps, the works. She is the, the last person to feel entitled to anything, is the first person to be grateful for everything. And so it's really easy to please her, and she's very, very rarely has anybody ever made her feel amazing. And so I decided I'm going to save up as much money as I can, work, 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 and give her some diamond earrings. She's never had diamond earrings before. So I was really excited, went to the place, got the diamond earrings, really pumped, came back, and this is just a week before my wedding. And um, I'd parked the car, and I'd gone up back to, back to, to my buddy's house. And, so I, and, and oh, yeah, the... The problem is that I was parked down here, and then my buddy lived at the top of this hill, big, big steep hill, the kind that you, like, stop halfway through, and you're wondering why you're way out of shape. You guys ever, like, take a half flight of stairs, and you're like, I hope nobody's looking at me right now because I'm breathing heavy. And uh, it was that kind of place. Well, I, I parked it late that night, got up to the top of the hill, just done the big, the big long walk, and then I realized I'd left these earrings in the car. And I thought, no big deal. You know, I leave stuff in the car all the time. No big deal, right? You guys know where this story's going. Yeah, no big deal. Because, I, I, you know, I was just lazy. I didn't want to go down and come back up. So next morning comes along. I'm up in the morning, whatever, got my cup of coffee. I'm going to walk down the hill to go collect my goods. And I get down there to where I thought I parked, and my Nissan's not there. Now, the Mercedes and the Benz, you know, the, the Benz and the, the BMW were there. And I, it's that moment where reality is off. You know, where you're not sure. It's morning, right? And you got your cup of coffee. You start chugging it kind of quicker to catch this part up. And you're just, hold on. So you're retracing your steps. Okay, so I was walking, and I saw the, this couple over here making out. And then they went over here, and then, no, I was parked there. Oh, no. Week before my wedding. Tons, I guess, as you can imagine, tons of different ideas are just flying through my head. And uh, so I just, uh, interesting thing about it is my first thing was, okay, let's just, let's call the cops. So I, and uh, my first thing to him was, hey, my car got stolen. Um, and he's like, are you sure? You're where you're, you know, they're always like, it's kind of like when you call the IT guy, they're like, can you turn your computer off and turn it back on? <laughs> Please stop. Um, yes, sir. I, I know this is where it was, but hey, I'm getting married. So can you guys fix this for me? I got stuff to do. And because uh, that's really where I was, right? So I, I, so I called the cops, told them what happened, and went back up to the top of the hill. And I just sent out one email to, to some of my close friends and said, hey, guys, <laughs> I just got my car stolen with the earrings in it. And I'll tell you, it wasn't but maybe five minutes. And I got an email from a close friend uh, that called me and said, hey, uh, if there's anything we could do, you could borrow my car. Now, his car happened, uh, you know, to be an M3 BMW. And he said, well, you can drive that car to your honeymoon because I was going to drive my car. And he says, oh, you can drive the M3 if you want. And I just said, upgrade? <laughs> so that was amazing. And he, says, and, and he said, you know, I'll buy your earrings for you if you need me to. But, you know, it's kind of your, your, your gift to your wife. So I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. So... Um, but it wasn't but two days later, a friend of mine that had been involved in one of my survey leg groups gives me, gives me a call. Says, hey, will you come meet with me? And I said, sure, sure. Is anything going on? No, no, no nothing's going on. Just, just come up and meet with me. And in those two days, he had done the work, done the back work. And he, we sat down at a coffee shop. He said, hey, I hope you're doing well. I know you're super busy. I just came to give you this. And he pulls out an envelope with $4,000 in cash in it. And it wasn't until that moment, I think, that I had really, it was such, it was such, high excitement for the wedding and all the things that were going on, a low point of, man, my, something got stolen from me. It makes you extremely vulnerable. 
And then all of a sudden, the people that you've been investing in and been working alongside of, they come through for you in a time that you really need it and give, give something to you way beyond what you've experienced before. And my heart of gratitude just exploded, mostly because I was in a deep place of need and somebody came and met my need in that exact moment. Have you guys ever been there? You guys ever been in a place of need and you're not, you're, if you're like me, you try to manage yourself out of need a lot. You don't want to be needy. You don't want to have weakness. You don't want to have strain. You don't want to be anything that, you know, makes you vulnerable. Is, is, is that our story? You guys aren't like me? That's okay. I'll own that. I, I want to be independent as much as I can. And that, that in that time um, of all this excitement, I found myself at the deepest place of my dependency and really needing community to come around me and, and come through. And they did in such a surprising way that my heart grew and I learned so much about what was all around me and I had never seen it before. You know, we're on this quest for nobility, and we've, two weeks ago we talked about gratitude, and gratitude is the, uh, is the availability and the willingness to see the beauty in the world around you. There's something about, about perspective of, of in, instead of seeing uh, the world as a place that you need to uh, take from, but you actually um, can start to celebrate that stuff around you, and you want to go contribute to what's good in the world, and that moves us into wholeness. So gratitude is a perspective, and wholeness is actually a workout. Because you start to see the beauty around you, you start to be thankful, your heart becomes postured, and you start to be willing to give more than you receive. This world is a taking world, and we are the abnormal ones that say, I want to be a part of the restoration. And once you have gratitude in your soul, then you can be alive right now in the moment. Because when you don't have gratitude, you're just living off of the past, and you hold, your heart holds on to what was broken, what was fragmented, how you were betrayed, what was wrong. When you, when you have gratitude, you can release the past and live right now and start to give more than you receive. And today we want to talk about generosity. And that's about being able to be willing to live for and in the future. I'm going to take us through a tour of just a few different um, sites and passages. I want us to connect first to a place in Jesus' story. We're going to look at uh, Mark um, chapter 5, and I'm just going to kind of walk you through. If you've got the scriptures, you can turn there. I'm going to kind of go quickly through this passage because it's long, but it's an interesting day in the life. Because I don't want us to ever, you know, part of, maybe, maybe some of us is new to this faith journey, and so Jesus is an idea, um, or it's this biography of this man lived long ago. Or some of us have been followers of Christ for a long time, and so some of, the, some of these passages or uh, your own relationship with God might um, seem memorized and seem just kind of set and systematic. But I want us to look in Jesus' life just as one of his days, and we might be able to connect with him. Mark chapter 5, an interesting thing happens where Jesus is brought in and they see this guy that had been possessed uh, by evil spirits and he was this guy in, in the graves. And uh, it's an interesting story where he comes out and you know um, he's got all these spirits inside of him and Jesus says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Legion and for we are many. And then he says, you get out and then the, all the spirits come out and go into these pigs, which is an interesting twist in the story, and run off the, the cliff, which is pretty cool. If you haven't seen that before. Uh, you should. And I'm going to start at 518. Now, Jesus getting back into the boat, that thing just happened with a demon-possessed man. Um, as Jesus was getting back into the boat, the man had, uh, who had been possessed uh, begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began um, to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and how, and all the people were amazed. And when Jesus, uh, verse 21, when Jesus again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, the large crowd gathered around him while he was in the lake. And one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came 
And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him. And my daughter is dying, he said. Please come and put your hands on on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd gathered and pressed around him. And the woman and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And it's been all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she even grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding was stopped and she felt, uh, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized the power had gone out of him, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? When you see the people crowding, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman Knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has has healed you, so go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. And while Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Interesting moment, right, in Jesus' life. You see, like, he is caught up like us, isn't it? Do you guys have days that just keep going and going and going? You start out doing one thing, and then, you know, you kind of complete that action, and all of a sudden something else comes up. You get a phone call, and you got to go help somebody else. And then, then this next thing, when your plans, one of them ends up failing in front of you. And you see the life of Jesus as much we can connect so much to, to, um, to his style and our kind of style of this really busy world that we live in. And, you know, when you live this life of, of being able to and being willing to start giving, you'll find out that if you, you can learn a couple things from Jesus uh, from this quick passage right here. Obviously, um, the more you care and the more you want to give to other people, the more that um, you're going to find out that you can't meet everybody's needs. Right? We see here at the end, to start at the end and go backwards, is that because Jesus has an open spirit about him and says, hey, I'm willing to be the solution to whatever the needs are around me, um, he's, he's willing to say yes to everybody from the very beginning and say, hey, if there's any way that I can help you, I will. But as, as other things start pulling into his life, you feel you end up, you're going to end up disappointing some people. And you look back, you know, the more that you have this heart of gratitude and this heart of compassion, like Jesus does, it really does make you very vulnerable. As we see here, as he's just walking along, this, this woman has heard something about him, and she has a feeling that if she goes and finds him, just like all of the other people that, that have been around and the stories have circulated about him, if she goes and finds him, then he's probably going to help her too. When you become somebody that's, that's full of um, compassion and full of love, then you end up finding that you are the one people end up seeking out. So if you ever wonder um, a way to kind of help make your life more simple, we should all just quit being compassionate and quit being loving. If you're looking for a simpler life, quit loving. But all of us have seen this happen, right? As, as our lives are being changed and our lives, uh, we receive love and we start to experience transformation. We start to, in some way, peel back the onion and start to live lives of love and compassion. And we start to see things with a fresh filter and all of a sudden our lives become much more complicated. The same story, if you've ever felt that way, like I feel like that nearly every day. If you've ever felt that you, you can connect with the Jesus from the scriptures, is because, because he loved endlessly, his life was so complicated. And the needs of the world around him, which could have pressed him down and could have pushed him away, um, just became a part of his story. You see that because of this, he manages his time really. It's really important for him to manage his time. And so he spent some time away and got recharged, got reconnected to the Father, to his source, because he knew the world just waited for him. 
And for us to live out of this love and compassion and wholeness, wanting to give more than we receive, the world awaits for us. And so be not surprised. If you're feeling overwhelmed and tired after a day and you feel like, man, I wish people would leave me alone, you feel like Jesus felt a lot. So that's normal. I just want you guys to know. And if you find that, that as people keep coming to you and asking you for help, that means you're doing something right. Okay? We're going we're gonna to flip now to another passage, one that even might be even more familiar with us, Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 38. This is a famous passage called the Sermon on the Mount. I just want to touch on something interesting here. Um, Jesus is kind of giving this as one of his most famous little sermons. And uh, verse 38 says, You've heard it said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, um, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, and ha- hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile with them, then go two miles. Give the one who asks, give to the one that asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You know, this, uh, I've heard this passage so many times in my life, and it just dawned on me just recently about um, what Jesus is saying about even society at that, at that point. You know, we live in such a natural, trans, uh, transactional society um, where, you know, I'll give to you when you give to me. Right? I'll, gi- I'll give you when you deserve it and you can give back to me or I'll, I'll only give to people that are worthy. Isn't that kind of the way? It's a, it's a give and take. That's, just, that's, that's, that's the flow. And even at this point, this is, this is a conversation about revenge. You know, some people say an eye for an eye. Um, give it back and forth. And I think uh, what Jesus is saying here really simply is that it's not, it's not about this transaction. It's not an eye for an eye. It's not about revenge. But this is actually a, a conversation about generosity. Even as we, as we walked right, right through here, but I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Uh, it was just yesterday, was it seeing, what's the, on, on the back of the bus? Accidentes. You call the number if you've been in an, if you've been in an accident. We live in this, such a litigious, uh, most litigious society of all time, they say. Or we're willing to sue over just about everything. Because most of us feel that what is ours really we deserve and we hold on tight to. And so when someone starts to come and encroach what's ours, we really have to fight for that. But Jesus is, is, is offering a whole different paradigm here. If anyone wants your shirt, he doesn't say, oh, just give it to him. He says, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, then you should go with them two miles. I think this would massively transform our, our paradigm all the time. Don't you guys, is, does anyone have a, a boss at work that just seems so demanding of you? And it's just, I, I, can't seem to, I can't seem to satisfy this boss. I can't seem to just get her off my back or him off my back. I can't seem to stop it. I think what Jesus is saying right here is, whatever the expectations on you, blow them out of the water. See, if we start to become really generous with our energies and our time and our talents, um, we, we don't start to say, what's the minimum we can do to kind of get by in this moment? What's, what's the minimum we can do to meet the expectations of what somebody's asking me? But what he's saying is that if we start asking ourselves, what's the maximum we could do to create the most health and, and, and betterment for this company or a friend or whatever the situation might be? What's the maximum I can do? Then they have no control over us. 
What Jesus is saying right here is that this, this act of generosity, being willing to give much more than even they ask for, being willing and able and willing to fight for that and, and, and work for that. Once we're willing to go to that level, then our hearts are much more free and we're not waiting for someone to judge us, but we're raising and setting the bar. Because if anybody inside a company, if you guys have somebody that's on your team or whatever that you work with that just continues to set the bar in excellence and puts in time and works really hard, works really fast, isn't somebody that's loafing or lazy or whatever, but are generous with their time, energy. And those are the ones people have to follow because if they get, because otherwise they get left behind. So the status quo becomes really down here and that person has reset the bar for us. And so what Jesus is saying in this situation is if somebody's asking you to go to mile, say, Hey, can we go too? Cause I'm down. There's some freedom in this passage. Once we live in generosity, our hearts are free to really pursue the best that God has for us. I want us to see a parallel passage in Luke. And he takes it one step deeper because a heart of, of, of generosity, you know, if, if we talk about the motive, the motive is always actually going to be love. The motive of generosity is always love. And we'll see it right here in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But you who are listening, obviously there are many that weren't, so to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other one. And if someone takes your clothes, do not withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good for those who do good for you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, oh, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, uh, lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Be kind, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as our Father is merciful. So we saw from the first few passages that we, if we step into generosity, our, the, the, the story's never really over. There's never, there's never really an end to the race. As we saw in that first passage, is like, because once you start helping people, they end up coming back to you. And so the story's never really over. And that's okay. And you kind of have to come to grips with that. Is you're never really done. If you're in the, if you're in the, if, you, if your job, if you're, if you feel like one of your, the core for why God created you is to help the world around you. You're, you will never really be done working. So come to grips with that. Settle into that. Have anybody felt that before? Has anybody ever said that to somebody before? Man, I just wish I was done. No? Just me. Okay, good. I just wish I was done, but this is never over. And once I help her, her cousin's going to have something. But what Jesus is showing here is that there's, there's not an ending, but in this one, the, the process of having a heart of generosity crafted inside of us is actually the process of being undone. The process of God, of, of pulling back and opening up our heart. Because generosity isn't just about finances. You realize I haven't even mentioned that today. Because there's been tons of talks about finances, and, and we know that that's just a part of it, but... Um, what Jesus says at one point, where your money is, that your heart will be also. And so we need to look back at that heart space. And I think most of us, um, you know, uh, we, we'll make our financial, um, we'll make our financial dedications, and I, I would, I would encourage you to do that. And I know you guys have been really generous here at Whittier. 
And so you guys are some of the best givers in the Mosaic community. So we thank you for that. And you support your gathering wholeheartedly. And that's, that's a beautiful thing for those that are part of that process. But I think all of us have this commodity of relationships that this, this passage really speaks into. Because it's, if, love is, if love is the entry point or is the impetus or is the motivation for generosity, then forgiveness is really the road to get there. For, um, for all of us, if we've, um, we're at that place where somebody really doesn't deserve love anymore. Someone really doesn't deserve for us to go back and give the one more shot. Somebody really doesn't, they've not even asked for forgiveness. But what, what Jesus is saying here is that if you love somebody that loves you, then you're not really special. And so if we've been patting ourselves on the back for that, today's the last here. Give, give yourself the, the last pat on the back. If you love somebody that loves you, good job. Now you're normal. What's abnormal in this and the essence of generosity is that Jesus says, when you're faced by somebody that has cursed you or has said something against you, someone that you would lo- just love to write off or love to avoid, someone that you might have, when they, when they mention that person's name, your skin still curls. When you hear their voice, it just makes you want to walk in the other side of the room. When you walk into work, you decide a special route that you can take to avoid their desk. Oh, we never struggle with this, do we? I want us to look at one more passage. I'm in Ephesians chapter 4. This is a small, simple, easy passage that has changed my life. Last week I talked some about... um, Whenever we move out of generosity, we start to, I'm mean, sorry, when we move out of gratitude, we actually have to start reflecting on what our story is going to be. Because when some of us are hurt and damaged and, and um, have a bad story that we could tell, if we start to be infused by generosity, we have to start to, we actually get challenged to decide in that moment what our story is going to be. Are we going to hold on to whatever that person did to us? Are we going to hold on to whatever difficulty we had growing up that we didn't choose for ourselves? Are we going to hold on to that one situation where we cried out to God and He didn't come through? Are we going to hold on to um, the, how bad, how tough it is right now financially for most of us here? Are we going to hold? Are, what are we going to hold on to? Because what we decide to hold on to really will create the story for us. And some of us have held on to a few different things that have actually been anchors around our hearts. And because because our hearts, um, if we know it or not, our hearts are actually um, they want to move forward. I firmly believe that since God, since we're all created in this image of God, as you guys might have heard of that, pat, that, that reference before, that since all of, all of humanity has been stamped with God because He's the creator of all, all of our hearts are bent towards Him. I believe that. And we're in a process of, of if we're walking ourselves towards God, our hearts start to want to speed up the closer to home that we become. Because as life goes on and life gets really tough, there's so many opportunities for things to just hook onto our hearts and put, a, put an anchor in the sand and say, no, you're staying here. And most of us have friends in our lives that will let us do that. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm in conversations and stuff, and somebody starts off the conversation, hey, I'm just calling to vent. Anybody ever do that? Done that this week? I do that. I'm just calling to vent. And I think it's a good process. Have somebody you can talk to. Don't bottle your stuff up. Get things out. It's better for it to be out here than all, than all trapped up in here. But do yourself a favor. Only vent to people that will call you to the, your next step of character. 
Because sometimes we have people in our lives that we keep there in this position where no matter what I tell them, they're going to tell me I'm okay. And by that I mean, no matter what I do, they're going to say it was the right decision. No matter what, um, no matter how angry I am, no matter how bitter I am, no matter how much resentment I am, they're going to say it's the other person's fault too. And so sometimes all of us have people in our lives that we, that we talk to when, they, when we want them to agree with us. And our hearts want to move forward, and so we need to have people in our lives that, that don't say that to us, that actually cut those cords and say, you know what, your anger, your bitterness is going to lead you towards a life of ungratefulness and of greed, and you're going to think that um, the whole world is about you. And you have to have friends in your lives that are willing to cut that cord, let the anchor go, and help you move forward. And so it's really simple sometimes. It's somebody that's just, um, once you're complaining about somebody that, that's hurt you and done you wrong, their next question is to you, so are you going to go talk to them about it? And none of us want to, do we? Once we've been hurt, we feel so justified that they've done wrong, and we still feel so entitled that we actually deserve people to treat us really well. In reality, the world, the world isn't like that. We actually have to be resilient and choose, always choose to take the next step, no matter what the situation is, no matter how we were treated. And so our good friends that will help us get past resentment and past bitterness and past unforgiveness are the ones that will cut those cords and help us take the next steps of character. And I want to look at this last passage, Ephesians 4, 28. Those who have been stealing, it's really simple. Those who have been stealing must steal no more but work. Do something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I'll read it one more time. Those who have been stealing must steal no more, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. The simple fact of the matter is, I think some of us have given a bad um, bill of sale sometimes with the communities we've been in, the Christian communities we've been in, or the church environments we've been in, or maybe some of the religious upbringing we've been in. And we were maybe told that the essence of what it means to be walking with God is not to be bad. But Paul, as he's writing here to these Ephesian leaders, he, he helps them, no, no, no. The part of, getting, of, of overcoming sin is actually just chapter one of a long book. And as, as you and I know, if you've been walking with Jesus, you experience the essence of walking with Christ is saying, you know what, all this sin and all this, and all this pain and all this history and all these things that have gone wrong, I can't handle that. And so you come to God and say, can you handle this part of me? Because I can't redeem myself. I've got, I'm, I've, I've got nothing I can do to fix this part of me. And so you start this journey of transformation. And so what Paul's saying here is, is, is not, he doesn't stop with just the first part of this, this passage. Just that he doesn't just say, hey, tell the thief to quit stealing and then go have lunch. Like he doesn't just say that, right? Paul isn't saying, hey, the goal for the thief is just to quit stealing and then he can just whatever. Did you, did you catch the, uh, the reference there is that, that Paul ends up saying he comes full circle. And he says, even the thief, those who have been stealing must not steal any longer, but must work, do something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And so even the thief, well, God must have made him crafty. God must have given him fast hands. God must have made him, given him a strategic mind or made him strong or whatever made him a thief. That's the beautiful things that he needs to hold on to. The reality is, is his character went by the wayside a long time ago. And so he used that energy for something for a negative reason. But uh, 
and brokenness. But he, now Paul's saying is once he comes in relationship with Christ, he needs to, to hold on to that energy and now move that to a positive place. So it's not enough not to just not be greedy. What, what Paul is saying here is that everybody must move towards generosity. He's not just saying, tell the guy to go to work and feed himself. He says, tell the guy to go to work and start giving to others. And just the last thought for all of us this morning is, whatever your story would have been if Paul was writing you know, this to you, you know, maybe you weren't a thief, you fill in the blank with what your challenge was or what your challenge even might be now. The thing that you know that you're kind of holding on to, the seed if there's, any, if there's any part in your life of thing that you really feel entitled to and really feel greedy for, and no matter what, I'm willing to give everything up except for this one thing. This is, if you have anything like that in your life, if you've, if you've overcome anything like that, you'll realize that uh, those calloused hands, those things that, you, that God has really transformed you and helped you uh, uh, um, overcome and give, don't walk away from that part of your story. See, as God is trying to transform the whole world around us, he is going to use your journey to help somebody else. I saw it really simply. I was in India five years ago with this big old conference, and it was an amazing situation that I didn't work for. It was just a really cool place to be in, and thousands of people were at this thing, and hundreds of people every night would come forward and say they wanted to follow Jesus, and it was an amazing place to be in. And you got to see God bring um, so many young men that had had substance abuse issues. It was as if there were a spirit leading the whole thing. Because if you guys knew more of my story, that's my story. Overcoming substance abuse. And so well, the thing that I would love to never have to talk about again, this black mark in my history, this thing that I was never proud about, this thing that my parents still don't need to know all the details about, that I would much rather get over, God continues to say, I'm, I'm not only going to save you from that, but I'm going to use that to help give life to those who are struggling with what you struggled with. And we all need that. In our process of transformation, we have to be brought back to our origins, brought back to the story of where we've come from so that our hearts are always filled with gratitude so we can always reflect back and say, you know what, it is better to give than to receive. And if we all live this life of generosity, the world gets healed. Will you pray with me? God, we are grateful for your work in our lives. And we're grateful that we're all works in progress. And for some reason you call us uh, your workmanship, your masterpiece. And some days we really don't feel like that. Some days we've looked in the mirror and we know uh, we feel like a wreck. But I pray that you would remind each of us here, no matter where we're at, um, that we are in your hands and you're not done working on us yet. And so whatever's difficult right now, you're promising redemption from it. And whatever's a challenge for us, we don't have to do it alone. So help us walk in community that's honest and authentic and helpful. And give us dreams and visions of a life that's going to be better in the future. And help us to hold your hand and come and give ourselves to you as we take that next step of faith to be ones that are giving our lives away. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.